Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome back to Is It Mo Quarantine Though. On today's episode, we have two very special guests. Ada and Zubi are two Georgetown students who have started an amazing initiative called Med Supply Drive. Their aim is to get medical supplies into the hands of the doctors who need them during this incredible crisis. Um, so first, we're going to hand it off to Ada and Zubi to kind of tell us a little bit about who they are um, and what got them thinking about this idea. Ada, you want to start us off? So hi, my name is Ada. Um, I'm one of the co-directors for Med Supply Drive, um, and I'm a rising M3 at the Georgetown University School of Medicine. Um, I actually graduated from SLU in 2018, um, and from there just kind of continued, um, but moved to DC, and I'm still trying to like take part in like human rights kind of work. Um, there's other organizations at Georgetown called um, Physicians for Human Rights. And so that's something else I'm like super involved in. But now that we're all kind of in quarantine, it was time to like redirect my focus to something else that we can do effectively right now. No, that definitely makes sense. Zuby, what about you? Um, I'm a first generation college and uh, medical student. I'm from New York. I went to Stony Brook for undergrad. And then I moved to D.C. to attend medical school with Ada. Um, and I met Ada through actually um, Physicians for Human Rights. And uh, when she started posting about Med Supply Drive, I was like, oh, my God, I have to get involved. This is such a good cause. And uh, we're in quarantine right now. And we were pulled out of clerkships, actually. So we have no clinical involvement right now. So this just seemed like a really good project to start off, you know, and still feel like you're involved in some sort of way while... Um, you know, still in isolation. So yeah, Jazakla cares so much for coming on, you know, really excited to talk to you. Um, when Ada first reached out to me, you know, I, I didn't think about this uh, crisis that, you know, doctors don't didn't have medical supplies. Can y'all tell me a little bit about how that we've reached this situation where, you know, we're always told that we're the greatest, you know, nation in terms of healthcare and medicine. How are we reaching this crisis where we don't have, you know, enough of the basic supplies? Um, so I think one of the things that played into this is that it took like a really long time for people to actually take coronavirus seriously and to believe that it was actually something that would affect the United States. Um, because like we first started hearing about it at like the beginning of January, but there were only like a few cases in China. So even if we had started preparing then, I don't know if we would have been able to like collect all the supplies that we would need right now. Um, but it's just like in general... Um, I think like a lot of funds have been cut from like hospitals and from um, organizations that try to like plan for pandemics like this because it's not something that happens commonly. So like when something like this does happen, it's hard to like collect all those supplies as rapidly and quickly as we need them. And I like certain people believe that like that's possible to do when the time comes, but it's a lot harder than um, we like think it is. Um, we've even been like trying to get supplies shipped here from like China and things, but there's like such a backlog um, in being able to receive those supplies that it wouldn't even help physicians right now um, immediately as they need them. Yeah, it's pretty wild just hearing about that. But also for me, I'm also wondering what are the exact medical supplies that are the most dire straight? Like, what is it that you guys are really focused on getting to the physicians right now? Um, so... Right now, we have like a list that we're circulating um, of things that 
physicians need, it started off as like a short list of things that like made sense, like N95 masks, surgical masks, gowns, um, bleach and bleach wipes. Um, And now it's kind of growing into and like adding things that people didn't think should be like on the list. Like now we're asking for bandanas, for rain ponchos, things that like doctors can use as makeshift gear to protect them in the hospitals. And these are things that like the CDC is now recommending doctors use, which is so wild because like something that I've seen like circulating also is like you don't send like soldiers out into war without like giving them protection and you don't ask them to like go buy protection themselves. And that's literally like the position our physicians are in right now is that they don't have anything and they have to like reach out on social media themselves to ask us to like donate things to them. Yeah, that's what that's what's so crazy to me that we're having like social media drives for medical supplies, like the base supplies that our doctors need. But what what happened? Like, how did that kind of get started for you? What what was that first initiative that pushed that you were like, man, I need to start some type of drive for these medical supplies? Um, So one of our classmates, Hannah Day, she's actually part of our um, board as well. Um, She kind of sent a message to our medical class um, telling us about one of her ER friends um, who was reaching out to her and like describing the situation at their hospital. And this was actually just on Tuesday this week. Um, And since then, it's just escalated like incredibly. Every day there's just like new news of like how dire the circumstances are in hospitals. Um, And she just kind of like when she messaged our class, she asked for like if anybody had suggestions on how to get stuff to hospitals or if they wanted to help, just reach out to her. Um, And that's really how we got started. And to add to that, actually, um, there's a movement on Twitter called hashtag get me PPE. So PPE stands for personal protective equipment. And it's all the equipment that um, Adele actually mentioned, like uh, N95 masks and, um, you know, certain types of face shields, basically any protective equipment. So that way the virus is um, not being transmitted. And so physicians need this to not only protect themselves, but also protect the patients that they're helping. And if they don't have this, unfortunately, then they're at risk of exposure. So what what happens then is they're exposed. They have to quarantine or isolate for uh, 14 days. So they don't have any contact with other colleagues or patients. So that means that healthcare professionals are now being pulled from where they could really be helping. So... Uh, Get Me PPE, um, that movement on Twitter, has really expanded, and every physician has posted that they need this equipment and uh, the realities of what it really looks like when they don't have it. Right now, we're seeing um, healthcare professionals only using one mask and sanitizing in between. That's definitely not ideal in terms of um, protecting yourself from transmission of viruses, but it's the only option they have. And like Ada mentioned, the CDC changed their guidelines now to say, okay, now you can use bandanas to cover your face and that'll protect you. But really that's not um, the best form of protection as it's just really just fabric. And so um, this is the kind of changing, um, you know, picture that's happening slowly as uh, the numbers get worse and worse and the cases spread. So it's, it's, we're really trying to meet that need um, through our campaign. Yeah, I mean, talking about alternative masks, I saw this thread on Twitter, where, you know, this guy, him and his wife, his wife does a lot of sewing. And so she was trying to sew like masks at home that met the guidelines. 
And it was like a 20 step process, like having to do so many different types of fabric, types of like layers of protective, you know, sanitization. And I just thought like, it took her like, you know, a couple hours to make one. And I was like, man, that amount of work, like how are we like, I know they're like trying to make that call for people at home to help out. But I was like, there's just a disconnect. There needs to be like, you know, factory level, like more just increase in production of the actual mass rather than relying on all the seamstresses out in the U.S. to manufacture, you know, a couple masks a day. But yeah, so I mean, it's really interesting that you said that this only happened this past Tuesday. And yet, you know, you guys have built up everything kind of in the past few days so quickly. How's that been that like rapid response? You know, usually when people are thinking of starting up something like an organization or some type of drive, it takes a week just to get everyone together on a meeting. And in the past few days, you guys have had so much going on. So take us a little bit through that. Um, so I think something that worked in our favor actually is that our like clinical rotations got canceled and now we're all in quarantine as well. So there's literally nothing mm-hmm. for us to do now. Um, <laughs> and we're just so used to like having things to do all the time that it just made sense for us to like direct all of our efforts towards this project. Um, so I think that's why we were able to kind of mobilize and get results so rapidly because um, it's been now less than a week, actually, that we've been um, running. Um, but yeah, it really helps. There's also so many students like in our class and across the nation who like don't have anything to do right now and want to be useful in some way. And so I think because of how free everybody is right now, too, that's definitely working in our favor right now. Yeah, I agree with Ada. I think, um, you know, everyone's at home right now. And we were thinking about what tools do we have to make this um, initiative successful. And obviously social media is already a great tool, but in this instance, when everyone's at home, they're relying on social media to get their information and spread their information. So that's kind of what we used. Um, We basically within a few hours of getting initiated, started all our social media platforms. And from there, you know, our classmates spread the word and then their friends and family spread the word and it just basically became viral. And so that's how we gained support so fast. And a lot of students are feeling the need to wanna help out um, in some way, still be um, connected to the clinical world. And so this is um, their opportunity to do that. So I think that's why we've had so much um, interest and a sign up for volunteers across the country. Yeah, I think in some of my group chats, the med students are the most active right now. <laughs> like they're not, you know, they're not at school anymore. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, you wouldn't hear from them in like a whole week. But now it's like every day they're just like, hey, what's up, guys? Everyone's like, oh, we're working. They're like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you do not have anything to do anymore. But how's, how's that looking from y'all's end? Like, has the school been kind of communicative about how that's going to work in terms of your guys' credits or, you know, fulfilling the different things that you guys need for licensure? Um, so for us, we have had our like rotations postponed till at least April 27th. Um, other than that, I think our school is still figuring out what they need to do for us as well. Um, some like immediate things that have happened, of course, are like, things that affected our M4s. So like their match day got canceled, their graduation got canceled. Um, But yeah, it's just, that's like everybody's making sacrifices right now. Um, And so I think we're just waiting to see what, how it ends up affecting our class as well, because um, we haven't done any like clinical things and like 
we haven't like started clerkship. We were supposed to start next week, um, but now since this has been postponed, um, I don't know if they'll like add more time somewhere in between or postpone like our like our graduation so we can complete all of those rotations. But it's something that's like really up in the air right now for us. Um, yeah. In the meantime, though, they um, have us doing everything virtually. So um, the past week and then this next week, we're supposed to be kind of like a boot camp for our clerkship. So they just transitioned all of that to Zoom and they're still having us like sit in sit on Zoom and like complete those. But now it's just like so far separated from when we're actually going to start that I think they're going to have to supplement stuff while like in the next month while we're waiting to start clerkship. Yeah, it's kind of like an ever evolving scenario. Initially, they're like, oh, it is possible for us to continue clerkships. So we're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we can still get involved. And then I think questions came up about like, how do we get trained when physicians are already being utilized to fight COVID-19? So um, they delay and they were also worried about, you know, exposure to students as well. So then they delayed it, but now um, it seems like other schools are delaying past what we have been ex anticipated to be delayed for. So, you know, it could still change from here on out as well. Like we're really not sure. Um, uh, so that's kind of interesting to see how we've, change our curriculum to manage um, what we're learning in an isolated area. So everything's on Zoom now. And we have 200 students in our class, so it's hard to keep um, engaged and interactive <laughs> oh, on Zoom. But they've basically, so what they've done is, which is so interesting to me, is that they've put up in a, in a lecture room, basically, that's interactive, 200 people, and then they break us up into small groups of 12 throughout the lecture, mm -hmm. and that's our opportunity to interact. So that's when we all turn our webcams on, and we're like, hey, guys, like, what's going on? And it's, we, we, after not seeing so many of our classmates for so long, it's, like, refreshing to see them through the webcam, because you, <laughs> you still feel connected in some capacity. So, yeah, it's really, I mean, they're trying their best, and I give them kudos for making the transition smooth, because it's not easy. No, definitely not. Do they just send like Zoom links to the different group chats for like the breakout session? Yeah, so um, I guess there's a feature within Zoom itself where you can take a large class and um, automatically sort them into um, smaller uh, like breakout rooms. So they basically just press a button and it automatically sorts us. So we don't have to like um, log out or go into another Zoom. It's kind of um, intuitive, which is really nice. Oh, wow, that's so cool. I had no idea that I had that feature. Yeah, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Zoom, like their Zoom for Education has right now like no limits on anything. Uh, my wife, she's a teacher, so she she like recently applied for that so she could start using it more. Um, but you just got to get approval and then you basically have unlimited use, which I think is really beneficial because everyone is, you know, at home right now using Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. I think one of the things that I really am interested about is for y'all, when this was kind of like getting serious, how how was the reaction within the Mets like school community? Was it everyone was like serious about it? Like, oh man, this is going to turn into something bad? Or was it more also like the general public where there are people like, oh yeah, this is something to worry about. And some people are like, oh, let's go on spring break. Um, I think that that's a really good question. So um, I think initially we were like, okay, this is manageable just because we knew 
of the protocols of how to protect ourselves and minimize exposure. But then I guess what we didn't anticipate is that the public didn't know how to do that. And so they mm-hmm. didn't, they were kind of, um, you know, not taking it so seriously. They were still going out. I'm sure you guys saw it on the media. You know, there's oh, people yeah. <laughs> still in Florida going to the beaches in masses um, and, you know, it's spreading there. So um, I think we didn't anticipate that as much until the media was serious was serious about saying like we need to social distance we need to self-isolate we need to quarantine depending on how um exposed you are so once that became more apparent um i think that's when it's settled in for everyone but at that point it was also a little too late like people had already been exposed to a number that was still um uh you know had the capacity to spread regardless of whether you not you tried to self-quarantine so um, it was ever evolving. I think initially we were like, yeah, um, we can take care of this. We have a hold of this. And then it just kind of, you know, expanded exponentially. Um, and I'm sure you guys felt that maybe too, like being an, um, someone not from a medical school. Yeah, definitely. I think for us, you know, one of the things that's been the craziest that even for the people who took it seriously, like my wife and I, we were like, okay, this is spreading. And, you know, I was always on Twitter reading those threads about, oh, Italy was here 11 days ago. We're going to get worse. Mm-hmm. So we were worried about it, but we didn't just, we just didn't realize like how fast every single day would be like a new scenario. And so much would change in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like it went from, we were going to visit my family in Houston, uh, like last weekend, um and you know monday of that week my wife was kind of getting worried she's like should we cancel a trip i was like it's fine tuesday wednesday thursday i kept saying it was fine even as like you know it was kind of getting more serious i was like hey maybe we can just get to houston and get back before it gets too serious and then on friday you know our uh state governor illinois governor declared at least like an emergency for the state of illinois um as well as trump declared a national emergency And so like two hours before my flight, I canceled it. It was just like, yeah, like I was like up until then, I was like, we could go, right? I can see my family, but it was just like, no, 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 we need to cancel. And that that was just like, what was crazy for us that like from Thursday to Friday, I still had no idea whether like what would happen, how bad it would get. Yeah. Wow. Like the government didn't start emphasizing to us either, like the general public, how serious it is until like just this week. And so like it's difficult to like put blame on anyone in like the general population for like not taking these precautions seriously if like we haven't been like mandated to do anything and like it's kind of been played down a lot in the media so um I'm glad that like people are taking it a lot more seriously now but I feel like yeah a lot of like bigger steps needed to have been taken earlier for this to have been prevented yeah I agree yeah I think one of the things also is every time like a city or a state declared like an emergency you would just see on the media and everyone was saying oh they just need to do that to get some more funds right like it's nothing too crazy they just need to do that legally so they can get like you know this certain amount of funds or like this allocated funds so people would be like oh, okay cool then it doesn't really affect us um it's not until like they started doing shelter in place or stay at a, uh, stay at home orders that people were like oh man we really need to go home and not go anywhere yeah but yeah speaking of going home uh are either of you back at home with your family or did you guys stay uh, in Georgetown? Um, so I actually flew back to St. Louis last week. And even then I was like really afraid of like getting on a plane and like catching it and bringing it home. Um, so mm-hmm. made sure I like took the proper precautions, um, carry like bleach wipes with me. 
Um, and so that was really nerve wracking. And then now I'm at home and the situation is just really funny because my parents um, weren't taking it as seriously. And so it took like me and my sister like teaching them and showing them like all these like new articles that have been coming out about how like dangerous and deadly it can be um, for us to like force them to stay home. And then now it's just kind of like role reversal that anytime we need any supplies, like we force our parents to stay home and then we go out and get them ourselves. But <laughs> they just didn't realize the weight of like the situation and how it could affect them. Yeah, I'm currently in D.C. right now as well. I contemplated going home to New York, but, um, you know, my parents are pretty um, elderly and then my grandmother also lives with them. So I didn't mm -hmm. want to risk any exposure to them. But I agree with Ada that like my parents, um, I don't know if it's because they're immigrants and like have been through wars and stuff like that, but they did not take this seriously initially. They're like because they seem so like resilient in like anything that's get thrown at them. So they're yeah. like, we can make it through, like, you know, it won't be that serious. There was a lot of like denying initially. And then me and my sisters really had to talk them um into like really staying home and taking it seriously and uh protecting themselves. Um so it's it's just really funny that like Ada had the same experience with her parents. I wonder if it's like a brown family thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely think it's an immigrant family thing. I think we all are seeing our parents like just not realizing how serious it is mm -hmm. um, unless they know someone like once it happens like in the mosque, once it happens to someone in their local Muslim community, no one takes it seriously. And then they like start freaking out. It's like we told y'all earlier, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I have a friend who, you know, his parents, they still want to go out. And the local masjid even canceled Jumma, right? Most of the masjids over here in Chicago have canceled Jumma, And most have canceled even daily salah. Just like, hey, you guys need to stay home. But some still have daily salah. So his dad replied back, like, when the masjid uh, canceled Jumma, his dad replied back, yeah, but they have daily salah, so I'll go to that. <laughs> and so he was like, why? Like, you need to stay in. You need to prevent, like, catching it because you're elderly, right? But for some, they just don't understand. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think one of the biggest things for them as well is that they also see America as like, oh, the medicine, you know, like the healthcare here is amazing. The medicine here is amazing. The hospital's got, it. you know, everything's going to be taken care of. We don't need to freak out. And then they just see what's going on in the grocery stores and they just kind of laugh at like, oh, we're not like that. We aren't <laughs> freaking out like that. So it's okay. We can go to like the Muslim and that's really their community. And so they still want to do that. But it's kind of hard. As you said, it's like you just have to sit down and talk to them and be like, hey, this isn't the time for that. There's literally a national emergency, a worldwide pandemic. Just please stay inside. I think something else that like has really been like worrying me is since I'm like working on this project and seeing all these stories of like clinicians who are working like without equipment, like I don't want any of us to catch it so that like we don't have to go to a hospital where they can't either protect themselves or protect us from like the spread of the virus and then they're running out of like respirators ventilators so i don't like the treatment isn't going to be as effective for that many people either because of like how low um like their resources are right now so i feel like just like in general like they've been saying like just stay home and that's like the best way to protect yourself because just going to the hospital increases your risk of like contracting it so much more oh man yeah i'd love to hear more about the the, the reaction of the hospitals to your guys's med supply drive and like how's the reception been how's it been working with the hospitals that you guys have been giving supplies to um so we actually have a group in the dmv who's been working closely with um the hospital associated with georgetown and so they've actually already done a donation drop-off there um 
we like figured out the logistics of where they would want us to like leave those materials. But everybody that we've been like emailing to get in contact with at the hospital has been like incredibly grateful for like any resources that we might have um, and to deliver. And then we're even surprised like reaching out to institutions to like donate stuff from their labs and even like private like um, research labs um, and PIs, like we're surprised at the generosity of them to be willing to like donate supplies that they've like used their money to buy. Um, but I feel like it's just really bringing everybody together um, because like these are our front lines and if we don't support them, then that's just dangerous for like everyone. Um, and it's just nice to know that they have like a pretty like full like backing behind them. Yeah, we really had to sit down and uh, be do like a brainstorming of what places you could get supplies from because like Ada said earlier, you know, there's a delay in getting supplies shipped from abroad. So we really have to tap into the hidden and idle supplies that we have here. So some of the places that we think about were like, um, you know, dentist office, nail salons, nail technicians, uh, veterinarians, um, art schools, because they use uh, protective supplies all the time, uh, tattoo parlors, uh, construction and auto body companies, cleaning companies, high schools, science labs, um, you know, the list goes on. Um, but we really had to think about like, how do we bring these supplies that are probably sitting in supply closets around the country and bring them and make them actively used um, by medical healthcare professionals. So, um, you know, I the way our model works now is we um, have volunteers sign up if they want to help uh, mobilize the supplies, or you can um, help by contacting hospitals to see like what is the need that they need. Um, do they need more than N95 masks? Um, do they need gowns? Do they need um, a hand sanitizer? So that way we can strategically place the materials that they need into their hands. Um, and then we also have um, medical professionals that are using our website to request supplies specifically um, by using a form. So that way we can um, triage the materials um, as effectively as possible. Um, and then like another source of supplies mm -hmm. is just like individuals who have things at home. And so I think right now we've been getting um, a lot of donations from them and we have like a supply donation form for them to fill out specifically. And so like with the help of our volunteers, we can like pick up supplies from people's houses and then allocate them to hospitals um, as we slowly like get in contact with them and figure out how they want us to drop them off as well. So there's a lot of generosity from just like individuals and also from like community businesses as well. Yeah, the community effort that everyone has been putting into this is so impressive. If that's like the, um, you know, silver lining that we can get through all of this is that we're all in this together. It's definitely playing out right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what's really interesting to me right now is that all the places you listed that had never crossed my mind. I just thought, oh, med schools to like, you know, hospitals, that's who the, the sources, the med schools, and then getting it to the hospitals. But when you went, you know, like after dental, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then like tattoo parlors, construction, vets, like all that. I was like, yeah, I had no idea. Like they probably do have all of this. And it's just until they, you know, find out a place to donate it to, they're just going to have them in their supply closets. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that uh, was really cool when Adal reached out to me uh, was just kind of seeing how your guys' social media growth has been so rapid. I mean, getting featured on the Oprah magazine, you know, getting retweeted by Beto from Texas. Um, what's that kind of been like in handling that response and influx of people like kind of rushing? 
I think like the more coverage that our initiative is getting, um, it's forcing us to look more closely at the logistics of how we're running things. So like since we've started on like Tuesday, we like created our website on Wednesday so that we could like have a like central location for all these like different forms that we want to create for people who have like different things to donate or if people need supplies um, or if someone wants to get involved. So it's just like really expanding on um, expanding on that website and then like finding good ways to like lead people to where they need to go based on like what they have to like give to this um, initiative. Um, and then also we have a really like rapidly growing volunteer base. And so something we're working on to organize those volunteers is to have people in different regions sign up to be regional coordinators for us. And so they can like overlook and oversee um, volunteers in their exact region um, and they can help contact local hospitals in their area, um, create like drop off locations in their area and then from there take it to hospitals um, and kind of just like organize their volunteers to go do like pickups and drop offs and outreach to like those local businesses Zuby had mentioned. Um, so it's growing a lot faster than we expected to in the few days that we've been running, but it's just really forcing us to um, nail down how we need this like organization to run so it's effective. Yeah, I agree. I think like since Tuesday, we're constantly have been tweaking our process to make it the most efficient as possible. And then with the um, exposure that we've been getting through like Oprah, Mag and um, Beto and Esther Chu, who basically started the Get Me PPE movement, um, the exposure that they've allowed us to get, um, people have been responding and saying like, hey, have you thought about this? Or um, have you, well, let me connect you with this organization who's has like a similar, um, you know, mission. Um, so it's really expanded. And uh, b because of that, because of people's input as well, we've been able to tweak it further and make it even more efficient. Um, so it's the minds of not only us on the e-board, but the minds of like everyone who's been participating, which has been really nice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it sounds like an amazing initiative. So if I'm listening right now to this episode, what is the best step for me to get involved and to help out? Um, so I would recommend visiting our website, medicalsupplydrive.com. Um, and if you have any like specific questions that aren't covered on that, um, you can email us directly at medsupplydrive at gmail.com. Um, but if you visit our website, from there, we have a lot of different links to take you to hopefully wherever you need to go. So if you want to volunteer or become a regional leader, um, we have forms for you to fill out um, for that. And then we'll get in touch with you as soon as you fin fill out those forms. If you have supplies at home that you want to donate, or if you're a lab who wants to donate, we have two different forms for that. Um, and then if you are a clinician or a hospital who needs supplies, we also have a form for that. So right now we're collecting like a lot of information from people filling out these forms. Um, and we're creating kind of like different sheets for different regions so we can organize all the information in that region um, and then get the people in contact who need to be in contact to drop off like supplies to hospitals who are requesting them. Um, so whatever you, um, like, however you do want to contribute and help us out, um, hopefully there's a way on our website. And then if not, just like email us directly with any ideas you have. 
Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We can be found under Med Supply Drive.、Um, and if you don't have supplies to donate or anything like that, you can still help out. Just tweet our mission out.、Um, you know, let, allow us to gain exposure、um, so that way we can meet the needs of、um, healthcare professionals. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys only looking for like health science people, like medical students to help like, be the organizers and volunteers, or just anyone who can kind of help currently? Um, so, I think right now we would love like any volunteers.、Um, like, if you have a car, you could help us with like pickup and drop off.、Um, even without that, like, if you can just do outreach on your social media and kind of share like our supply donation form、um, and our website to try to gain more interest in your community、um, to want to help out, that would be amazing. And then we also don't have that many like regional coordinators across the country yet.、Um, the list is like quickly growing, but there's so many areas that like, Need someone to coordinate volunteers there.、Um, so, if you want to sign up and like have a kind of like leadership role in your region,、um, please sign up and do that for us too.、Um, but there's like a lot of ways to get involved. You don't have to be like just a health or science student or a medical student.、Um, everybody has something that they could contribute. Seriously, it takes a village. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, thank you so much, Ada and Zubi, for joining us today. It was really awesome talking to you about you know, what's been going on with you know, coronavirus and how the hospitals are handling it or you know, not really being able to handle it and what you guys have done to step up.、Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today.、Uh, if you guys have any last words for the audience.、Um, so if you want to get involved in any way, please just reach out to our website or to our email. Um, again, our website is medicalsupplydrive.com, and then our email is medsupplydrive at gmail.com.、Um, and if you're in the St. Louis area and want to get involved, you can reach out directly to me too.、Um, so on Instagram, it's、um, at ADAAHS, and then my email is as4425 at georgetown.edu. And I'd love to help you get in the loop in St. Louis and、um, figure out some next steps. Yeah,、um, and I've been taking care of our social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook. So, just to plug those, you can find us on MedSupply Drive. And、um, I have been、uh, connecting people from New York as well. So, if you want to reach out to me personally, my handle on Twitter is craniocaudal. So, C R A. N I O C A U D A L. And I just love to connect with anyone. I usually, on both accounts, have、um, been spreading not only our mission, but also、um, some、uh, educational content, I think, because、uh, we realized through this process that that's also something important to us is to just educate、um, anyone who's、uh, willing to get involved as well. Definitely. Jazakla cares so much for coming on, guys. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Isn't Mo Quarantine, though, season two of Isn't Mo Muslim, though.、Uh, I'm your host, Zia Dadaboy. You can always find me at Z D H O Y and at I M M T C A S T. Thank you so much. Salam. <laughs>